You know what? We can still celebrate Easter. You know why? Because Jesus is alive. That hasn't changed. You know, a lot of the holidays that we have are, are all centered around celebrations. And there's a lot of joy and happiness connected with them. Easter, for example. Great last week, wasn't it? We think of Christmas, too, and how even that lasts for several days. Uh, or think of other days like Thanksgiving or maybe the 4th of July. They all are marked with joy. But what would it be like if there was some tragedy that happened on those days? Would that change the flavor of that holiday? When I was a kid growing up, I remember one Thanksgiving morning when we were in church, the pastor prayed for uh, one of the families that was well-known in, in the church uh, because the husband of that family had had a heart attack and died that morning. And I thought, how tragic. On, on a day when we were giving thanks that this man was taken away from his family. And I often wondered how that widow celebrated Thanksgiving in the years later because it would always be a day she remembered her husband died. And for years, I've always thought of that. Every time it's Thanksgiving, I always remember that this guy died on that day. Does that change, then, what the holiday was like? You know, the day that uh, we call Good Friday actually was a, started out as to be a joyous day because that was a day of great celebration for the Jewish people. It was a day for them to remember their heritage and how God had brought them out of their slavery in Egypt with great power and made them his people. But that day became marred as they saw the man they thought was their savior, saw their friend put to death in a very cruel way. But we know, of course, that three days later that that sorrow would, would turn to joy. How is it that that would happen? Well, as we go back and look at that very first Easter, we see that starts out with a lot of sadness. But then, as things unfold, that sadness changes to joy. But what about us today as, as we live in, in our time? Can, can we experience that same change? As I said before, we're still celebrating Easter. And we always can because Jesus lives. Watch this brief video as it reminds us of how Easter changes our life.
You see, Easter is not just one day of the year that we celebrate things. Easter is really our whole life. And so let's take a look at this now for the next few Sundays, that because of the resurrection, our life has been changed. And today we want to see how it's been changed from, from sadness, from brokenness, to gladness. Let's see how that happened for God's people on that first Easter. Let's go back to the tomb on that Easter morning and see how lives were changed. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking it was the gardener, she said, Sir, if, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Changes. Now I'm sure that that lady in that congregation they belonged to had her life changed, not only at the death of her husband, but later. She was a fine Christian lady. She was one of my Sunday school teachers. So I knew that she trusted in the Lord and his promises. And I'm sure that her life was changed from that sadness back to joy and gladness. But how long does that take? And what will do it? Well, God says this to us, that, more, that the, the, the despair that sometimes we feel in life he said it's only going to last for a night. In other words, it's short. Well, if we look at this text, we see that it was short. But what brought that on? Things that maybe we experience too, like disappointment. Disappointment comes when all of a sudden we don't have our expectations met. Just take a look at Mary, for example. She's now coming to the tomb to perform her last act of love for her Lord. She's going to finish the anointing of his body for burial. So she's expecting that she's going to have trouble getting inside because of the stone. And she's expecting that the body will be there and she can do her work. But when she gets there, those expectations are all changed. The stone is rolled away. The tomb is empty. She runs and tells the disciples and then comes back. She looks inside and what does she see? Two angels, but she thinks they're just regular men there who are asking, why are you weeping? 
And then she turns and sees Jesus, but she thinks he's the gardener because she wouldn't expect to see Jesus. And she asks, where is his body so I can take care of him? But she never got that answer directly. All of her expectations were not met, and that sometimes causes disappointment, doesn't it? Even when we're going through times that are difficult, like Mary, and things don't happen the way we think they should, those expectations are not met and we're disappointed. And disappointment can cause some frustration, some anger, even some sadness. But there was more than just these events, these expectations that went unmet. There were also some hopes that were unfulfilled. You see, it was not just Mary going to the tomb to finish a burial. Their hopes were dashed because Jesus had been put to death. They thought he was their savior. They thought he was the one that was going to restore the greatness of the kingdom of Israel. Later on Easter afternoon, uh, Jesus meets up with two of his disciples on the road to Emmaus. And they confess to him their, dis their disappointment, their depression, because they said, we had hoped that he was the one who would restore Israel. You see, sometimes we have hopes in what God can do, and when it doesn't happen, we too become disappointed. Disappointed even to the point then where that takes over our faith. And when we think about it, that was really the problem going on here. There was a lack of faith by God's people. Jesus had made it clear in his own words to them that he would rise again. He very specifically said, and in three days I would rise. He used the illustration of Jonah being in the belly of the fish for three days. He said, so would the Son of Man be in the, in the belly of the earth for three days. He talked about destroying this temple being his body, and that in three days he would raise it again. Now what's interesting is, Jesus' enemies understood exactly what he was talking about. And they thought, not so much in a resurrection, but they thought the disciples would come maybe and steal his body and then claim he had been raised. That's why they requested a guard be put at the tomb. So they got it. Why didn't Jesus' followers get it? They didn't understand the promises. And sometimes that's true for you and me too. We just don't understand or hold on to those promises. And we let all sorts of other things get in the way and convince us otherwise. You see, we don't let the evidence convince us, just as they didn't. Last week I talked about the evidence that God has given that Jesus is alive. They saw it. They saw the stone rolled away. They saw the empty tomb they heard from the angels, but still there was some doubt as to whether or not Jesus was really alive. Sometimes we just don't believe the evidence that God puts there in front of us, fulfilling the very promises he's made to us. And so what happens is that disappointment overtakes our faith, and that sorrow then permeates our life. What do we do? Do you have some sadness in your life? Some expectations that have not been met? Some hopes you had for something, but they've been dashed? 
Maybe there's been some big changes that have gone on in your life and, and your life has really taken a turn. And maybe it's something with your health or your finances or your job. Sometimes those changes cause us to worry about what's going to happen. And it takes the joy right out of life. It takes our confidence away. You know, it's, it's, it's so easy for us, though, to make a list of all those changes and, and disappointments that we have. Are we listening to what God is saying? Are we listening to the promises that he has given to us? Or, or are they too unbelievable? For example, when he says, I will never leave you or forsake you. Do we really trust that? When he says he opens his hand and satisfies the desire of every living thing, do we really believe that? Or do we wonder, how is that ever going to happen? When he says that in all things, yes, even in the bad things, he is working to bless us, do we trust that? Or do we have questions and doubts about it? Do we let the, the tears of sorrows blind us to see what God is doing? Do we let our own crying drown out the words of his promises? Well, remember God's promise. His promise that weeping, the morning will only endure for a night, a short time. But there will be joy in the morning. It will be a new day. How? Well, let's take a look at how God brought a new day to his people on Easter. It started with simply a look from the Lord. Now, what amazes me here is that Jesus just came out of the tomb, and what does he do? He doesn't run down to Jerusalem to go get a new set of clothes. He doesn't go to his favorite place for breakfast because, you know, he was probably hungry after three days, right? He doesn't go and have a celebration parade down Main Street in Jerusalem to show everybody, I'm back. What does he do? He hangs around at the tomb because there he knows his people are coming. You see, he saw what their need was. He saw Mary's heart was broken and filled with sorrow. He understood that his disciples were filled with a lot of doubts and questions. And so throughout that first day, he is busy meeting with each of them personally because he sees what their need is. And that's the way God always operates. In fact, that's why Jesus came into this world, because he saw what our need was. He saw how we had been separated from God because of our sin, and that we were in need of a right standing with God, that we were in need of assurance of his love and blessing, but that it can only happen when sin had been dealt with. So he comes into this world to live for us, to live perfectly for us, so the righteousness we need to be in the presence of God is there and given to us by faith in Jesus. And to take away our sins, he puts himself under the wrath of God for our sins. Puts himself in the tomb in our place so that he can defeat death and show us that you too will live because he lives. 
You see, all along, God has operated with this pattern. He sees our needs, and then he comes to meet us. Jesus came there to comfort his disciples. He didn't go show himself to his enemies. He came to his people to strengthen and encourage them. Coming back to the tomb, Mary meets Jesus. But first she saw those two angels. I think it's kind of interesting the way it's described. There was one at the place where Jesus' head was and one at the place where his feet were. Two angels. Kind of reminds me the way God had instructed the Ark of the Covenant to be built with two angels, one on each end. And where they were located was on what is called the mercy seat. Well, the real mercy seat of God was that tomb where the sacrifice of God's Son was laid for our sins. There we see the presence of God in our life, where sin has been taken away and we are at one with God. And, and Mary saw that. But it was more than, than just the Lord looking to see our need. It was also the Lord speaking a word to bring some compassion and comfort. So as Mary turns and sees him and talks with him, he replies to her sorrow, just saying, Mary. That's all it took. It was just that word. You know, Jesus said, I know my sheep and I call them by name. God, through Isaiah, promised that despite whatever we go through to not fear, because we are his, he knows us by name. With that, he doesn't mean just the label we use to address one another. But he means who we are, our character, our needs. When he said Mary, it was a word that filled her heart now with joy. As she exclaims, Rabboni, my teacher, he was alive. Later that evening, Jesus would go to his disciples who were locked up in that room because of fear. And his first words to them were not, hey, look, here I am, guys. But it was peace. He wanted to reassure them, those hearts that were filled with fear, that there was reason to have peace and joy because he was alive and he was with them. But he would go on and, and speak more not just words of compassion, but words of commission as well. Mary now is clinging to Jesus, and he says, no, I'm going to be ascending to my Father. Now you go and tell your brothers that I am alive. And her heart filled with joy and excitement, she runs off and she tells the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And when Jesus spoke to his disciples that night, and gave them peace, he also said this, as the Father has sent me, now I am sending you. Yes, it's a time to celebrate. It's a time to have joy. Jesus is alive. But it's also a time to get to work. A time to go out and to share that joy with others because Jesus is alive for them too. The other day I got a text message from somebody and 
wanted to say good morning to me, but this is how they spelt it. Good morning. And that's the kind of sadness you and I can have. That even though we experience the disappointments and such in life, there is a joy that comes. The weeping will only last for a short time, for a night. But God will bring joy. Now, when will that come? And what's going to bring it about? It's not a matter of time. Oh, you know, in a few months you'll be okay. It's a matter of who. Jesus is the turning point. Focus on him. Listen to his promises. Remind yourself of his power, power to even defeat death. And then realize his presence and care in your life. That's the turning point from sadness to gladness. And then, then after you experience that joy, go and share it. For that's what God has sent us to do. Amen.